People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Chris Nickich is the first athlete with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman. On November 7, 2020, in Panama City Beach, Florida, Chris, along with his friend and coach, Dan Gribb, completed a full-distance triathlon. That means a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.2-mile marathon run. Dan, who's the founder and CEO of Home to Sell Team at Keller Williams and a 17-time Ironman athlete himself, saw the potential in Chris, and he helped Chris make history. Their inspiring partnership has sparked a movement of inclusion for people with Down syndrome and is a beautiful story of tenacity, dedication, and love. And we talk a lot about a lot of different things with Chris in this next hour. And one of them is that he has a new book coming out. So we can't wait for everybody to hear about that. Welcome, Chris and Dan, to Health Gig. We're so happy you're both joining us today. It's really exciting to be talking to not one, but two Iron Man champions today. Woo, so, woo, woo. <laughs> so give us some background. How did it all get started and how did the two of you meet? I have really the love of Dan Grieb. Uh, three years ago, I was uh, born here. I was raised here. I've never been called Down Syndrome. Over the past 18 years, I was 40 pounds overweight. I was playing constantly, fear games and efforts. And there be called an average person with Down syndrome. My dad was working a lot. We knew that I would cut off the fear game in the Netflix, so I would not be called average anymore. He decided to treat me gifted. He treated my sister gifted. She was a League basketball player. She played AU basketball in school, also in Dartmouth. My dad treated her gifted. And then my parents would treat me special. Instead of treat me special, they want me to be gifted. So that way I could go out, exercise, make some friends, to just be out with a group. I had a few setbacks. The first setback was five months repaired hard two horns, and I had to overcome the most challenging, brutal operation of ear surgeries. Soon afterwards, I just fell in love with Trophions. From there, I did a 14-minute-mile sprint for Special Olympics. Wow. So you were in the Special Olympics. Yeah. And I did by the name of Simone from a 14 mile sprint to an Olympic 25 mile longer distance. We got too fast for Simone. 
around a guy who is fast, crazy, progressive <laughs> person. And that would be the name of Dan Green. <laughs> Yay, Dan. And you know what? Just want to say that we love what you just said, that your dad wanted to help redefine that you're not special, but that you're gifted. Is that what you were saying? That it's yeah. really that you're gifted. Yeah. And then now you could work from that kind of story. That's so incredible. And so you and Dan were a team. And Dan, maybe we move to you. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, while Chris was going through his journey of life and his challenges, I also had my own challenges. You know, folks with intellectual disabilities and Down syndrome like Chris, they're told their whole lives they won't amount to much. That occurred for me as well, and it was just through family upbringing. And for me, I became successful in business, and I became successful and have a great family and have a great marriage and was able to accomplish all of that. But I woke up one day and I was 320 pounds. I was failing in my health, but I was keeping my family together, which is not something I had modeled as a young man. I made a commitment that I was going to lose 120 pounds. And so I asked myself the question, what is a real event that I would scare me a little bit that I have to train for? And someone said, it's an Ironman. And I was like, okay, what does the average Ironman do? And they said, the average Ironman trains for a year and then does an Ironman event. And I said, great, I'll train for a year and then I'll do 10 Ironman in two years. So I accomplished that. And once I accomplished, you know, those Ironman events, not all full Ironman, some were half Ironman. I was ready to retire. I traveled the world, done Ironman events all over the world. I was ready to kind of retire and go back to my first love, which is jujitsu. But I thought I can't just step away without giving this gift that I've learned away to someone else. And that's the gift of an Ironman. See, success is not about what you do. It's who you become in the process. So to be an Ironman, you got to change the way you live. You got to get up early in the morning. You got to work out before the sun is up. You know, we'll run 20 miles or bike, you know, 50 miles before most people even work. And those habits, not only do they sustain you in your training to be an Ironman, but they also make you a good dad. They make you a good husband. They give you skills to be a good business leader. And I wanted to help someone else accomplish that. So I started looking for someone to guide. And at the time, the only person I could guide would be somebody who was blind. So I started looking for a person that was blind and that process did not yield any fruit. I had uh, no luck in finding a blind person or an incapacitated person. And I started to believe that maybe my dream of serving God by using my new body to help someone else become an Ironman wasn't going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, Chris showed up one day at our triathlon club and a beautiful friendship began. Oh, so talk to us about both of you, what it's like to train for an Ironman. Ironman is so tough. Yeah. Um, but most of the time it's tough, but I need to suck it up. <laughs> yeah. Up my own half Ironman in Cremont in May. I did it again. And how five minutes tough, but I got a handle of it. Got the handle um, of it? <laughs> Chris, why don't you first tell them what an Ironman is? How many miles is the swim? Yes. So the swim is 2.4. How long is the bike? 112. 112 miles? Wow. <laughs> 112 miles? And then how long is the run, Chris? 26.2. Oh, 26.2. You did that too. <laughs> <laughs> How many miles is it total? 140.6. You did 140.6 miles? 
Yeah, get out of here. You can't do that. Which one's the hardest one or which part did you like the best? The bike is hard. Bike is hard. Uh, because of the no muscle tone. Poor balance. Uh, yeah, poor balance. I learned how to ride bike for six years now. So you've been riding the bike for six years. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying, balance is yeah, a big balance. part of being on the bike. Yeah. I had someone to actually help me get on and then someone push me off. So the balance in the bike, so you have to have somebody sort of help you start and then you go. My dad had to um, help me get on and then he pushes me off. And then you go for 112 miles and I know that we heard what happened to you at Lisa's last Iron Man when you were. Oh, yeah. Take us through. Yes, put that brave on Dan. Oh, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to put a brave on Dan. So, <laughs> okay. I'm at mile 40 in. And you're at mile 40, okay. I stand down to get nutrition, but then fire ants were all for me. That was a huge frame on Dan. And it's all Dan's fault. Yes. <laughs> Dan, do you want to defend yourself? <laughs> I'm not going to try to defend myself because I am his guide. It is my responsibility to help him be successful in his race. And, you know, life imitates sports and sports imitates life. So we learned a lesson that day and that sometimes life, you can't always plan for things because sometimes things happen that you you could have the best of plans and yet things still happen. You know, we planned for everything. We planned for should Chris have an issue, what he's allergic to in terms of what food he can eat. If he was to get injured, what hospital I would take him to, how I would coordinate with his dad, sunblock, nutrition, how much water he should drink every mile of the race, how I would, you know, manage him through stress, allowing him to use the bathroom, every detail you can think of, his blood type, all of those items are in my head, but one thing that has never occurred in an Ironman <laughs> is no one attacked by fire ants. <laughs> so, oh my God. You know, what I would like your audience to hear is that Chris has a dream. And before we talk about obstacles, it's important that you understand that he has a dream. Now, you, you notice I didn't use an S. He has a dream. And that dream has parts. So Chris, what is your dream to live what kind of life? Independent. You want to live an independent, independent life, huh, buddy? And so for you to live an independent life, what are the things that you want to have? I want to have my own luxury house. You have your own luxury house. Stop <laughs> it. I want to have my own car. You want to have your own car, too? Own car. <laughs> and what's the last one? Mary smoking hot blonde. Smoking hot blonde fry. I thought that she was from Chicago, I think I heard you say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Chris, before we go any further, I need you to explain to them, what does a smoking hot blonde mean? Is it, it's a what? Conditional. It means unconditional what? Love. And you want unconditional love just like your dad has from your mom? Yeah. And what color is your mom's hair? Blonde. And where is she from? Minnesota. Minnesota. So you used to say you wanted a smoking hot blonde from Minnesota. <laughs> Because you want what your dad has, unconditional love, and you want to experience that all for yourself, right? Yeah. Now, here's the important thing for the listeners to hear as we start talking about the challenges. Now, Chris, was your dream to be an Ironman? No. No? Well, what was your goal? It was your goal? Yes. 
And so here's where we go talking about the challenges. Chris, what else happened to you on the bike? Crash. And who are you going to blame for that? Blame on Dan. Blame <laughs> what mile was that? He crashed his bike going 22 miles an hour. Wow. Tell, tell him about that, Chris. By 50, I was flying really fast. 21 miles per hour. Wow. It's a bump. I'm in uh, concrete. Face. Uh, wow. Run in concrete with a bright knee. Uh, oh my God. And then, okay, here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. Darren's like, slow down, man. Can you slow down, man? Slow down, man. Slow down. <laughs> so basically, I had no hearing aids on, and he's like, slow down, man. And then he's like, use your back brake. And then I use the back brake. Face, flat, concrete, bunny. And I jumped up and I'm like, Dad, Dad, I crashed my bike. Dad, <laughs> I crashed my bike. Did you get hurt? No. No? Did the bike crash or pieces yeah, or anything? Yeah, bike crash. So what happened there, Chris, is that he was going down a decline and the fire ants were at mile 20. The crash was at mile 50. So 30 mile difference, about a two hour difference in time as well. Two and a half hours between the two incidents. When he crashed his bicycle, he was going downhill. He was going too fast. I had just launched him off. So I had to catch up to him because I had just got him off his bike and he started going too fast and the road had bumps in it. And I knew that he would get out of control. It was a little too fast. So I rode up to him and told him to slow down. And he couldn't hear me because he had his hearing aids out. So I had to yell out again and he couldn't hear me. So now I yelled out louder. He could hear me. And he responded by, you know, grabbing his back brake, which is what he's supposed to do. But he grabbed it a little too hard. And at the same time, he hit a bump. When he hit a bump, it probably got him a little bit scared. So he grabbed harder. It put him into his skid. He skidded towards me. I was able to get away from him so he didn't crash into both of us. You know, I had to lay my bike down but I could hear him crashing behind me. I could hear his bike hit the ground, his body hit the ground. I could hear them both, his body and his bike sliding behind me. And all I could think about is like, God, this cannot be the way this story ends. Like this cannot be the end of our race. However, a crash at that pace unequivocally could be the end of a race. But because God's hand was with Chris from his birth and specifically ordained him to be the one that break this barrier for people like him. He kept him safe and he ended up leaving what could have been a broken collarbone, a head injury with only a uh, skinned knee and road rash. So to kind of circle back, we get out onto the run here and then Chris hits the wall and there's some story and some magic to talk about there. And I'd like to direct Chris to maybe tell you about what happened when he hit the wall. Chris, tell him about when you hit the wall, what happened? About 10, I had... Pain, 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 pain. What kind of pain? Like cramping? It was blisters, the crash, the legs, and cramps. And my dad came out. He put me inside. And he said, come here, baby. Give me a hug. And then we had this human connection. And then we hugged. And basically, he said, son, 
Between a battle goes on between a pain and a dream. Which one do I commit to? I'm like, uh, the dream. So here's what I'd like you guys to hear. Thank you for giving me a great lead in. Chris's dream of a life of independence was the reason why he was willing to chase down his goal, which was an Iron Man. Now, Chris had a lot of adversity going into this race. Number one, he's got to train for a long time. Chris does not understand distance and time. So Chris doesn't know the difference between 10 miles and 100 miles. So for him, he's running a race 100% on trust and friendship with me because he doesn't know how long it's going to end. And he's got to put himself through between two and four hours of training five days a week and between four and eight hours in training on the weekends for a year just so he can have a chance at his dream by completing this Ironman, which was his goal. Now the opportunity shows up for him. The opportunity for him to go accomplish his goal that could maybe unlock his dream and he gets bit by ants. Here's what we later learned about those ants. Chris, we had to wash him down from basically head to toe to get the ants off of him because there was a lot on him. We washed him down as much as we could. We took everything off of him, off of his feet, his socks, but we did not take off his timing chip. And in Ironman, the one thing you never go without is your timing chip because it's a safety issue. That's how they know where you are on the course if you have an issue. So we didn't take off his timing chip. Well, after the race, we learned that Chris had fire ants under his timing chip the remainder of the race. So he spent another 12 hours to you know 13 hours being bit, but his dream was so important to him that fire ants couldn't stop him. Then he crashed his bike. Once he crashed his bike, here's what I want you guys to understand. Down syndrome, it creates an issue with processing in his brain. And the way that we like to describe that to people is if I was to put my hand up and show you five fingers, those are five lanes of traffic that a typical person sends traffic into and out of their brain. It just moves freely. Well, Chris has three lanes closed at all times and only two lanes for the same amount of traffic to go through. Well, as soon as you add a bike crash, ant bites, and you add an emergency vehicle into that, now all of a sudden everything has to slow down so that he can process it. Well, Chris was able to process himself through something like a bike crash that takes you and I, you know, a half hour to an hour to kind of intellectually work through what happened and how that will get better. That should take him because he only has two lanes of traffic. We have five. It should take him all day. He was able to process it in two hours and work himself through it. He did that. Then on the run, he faces the wall. The wall is usually most runners hit that. For me, I hit it at mile 20. He hit it at mile 10. So he hit it with 16 miles left to go with many hours of pain yet ahead. When his dad asked him, his dad is a very wise man, a very amazing father. His dad said to him, there's a battle going on, son, between your dream and your pain. Which one's going to win? And Chris chose his dream. Now, here's the important thing to hear, guys. What are you willing to do for your dreams? See, Chris is a model of even though he has a disability, he still has a dream. And his dream was big enough and real enough for him that he was willing to do whatever he took to get it. Now, Chris doesn't compete in an Ironman for the same reasons I do. I compete in an Ironman because I want to win, because I want to place high, because I want to beat my last record, because I want to prove to someone that 46 years old, I can still do it. 
Chris competes in an Ironman because he wants to be included. Because he wants to be around his Uncle Dan. You like being around me, buddy? Yeah. You like seeing all your friends on the course? Yeah. You love giving hugs? Yeah. So for Chris, that's the payoff. It's not some, like, give me a medal. When Chris first started, he came in dead last his first race. I wasn't there, but I've seen video of it. Do you know the smile on his face was just as big when he came in dead last as it was when he completed a full Ironman? And it's because his brain and the way he lives his life is different than the rest of us. If we all got in touch with our dreams the same way Chris is in touch with his dreams, we would have started accomplishing a lot more in our lives. And I'm hoping if anything they hear is the extent of what Chris is willing to work to accomplish his dream. It's remarkable, really remarkable, amazing. Chris, can you tell us what it felt like when you ran across the finish line and they yelled, you are an Iron Man? Uh-oh. <laughs> you? you? Yeah, me, Dave. You're an Iron Man? <laughs> yeah, me, Dave. What? Don't you mess with child. All right, tell them what it was like when Mike Riley said, you're an Iron Man. What did you feel like? I felt like I was in a moment with people, family, friends who do not have Down syndrome. Dan told me, okay, son, you have to suck it up, <laughs> man up, man up. <laughs> you will give me your personal best for the last two miles in. We're going to walk it in, or we're going to run it in. And then I gave him my personal best for the next two miles so I could hug my brunettes. Your brunettes now? Yeah. <laughs> you gave us your personal best. Why, Chris? Why did you give me your personal best? Other than the hugs, what else did I tell you was the reason why we wanted you to give me your personal best? Why we would not walk it in even though we could have? I knew that. I needed you. You needed me? Well, the reason why we, we did it was because we wanted to set the bar high for the next person with Down syndrome that came behind us. We wanted to create an environment where the next person also wouldn't have to set a goal of just finishing an Ironman in the maximum amount of time, but to beat Chris... They would have to come in at 30 minutes faster than the minimum time. And that before we knew it, the bar would get lower and lower and lower and faster and faster and faster. And maybe one day being a Down syndrome athlete is no longer like this big spectacle. Maybe it's just like everybody else, which is the desire and goal of people who have Down syndrome. They want to be included. And it is the prayers of many, many parents that one day, their children will have the opportunities as everyone else's children, whether it be education, involvement in the community. And now Chris has done what 1% of the population of the world will do. And that is complete 140.6 mile race in under 17 hours. That is just incredible. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I just want to tell Dan and Chris that this interview, Tricia was so excited about speaking to both of you because she had a Down syndrome brother. So the Riley family, Trisha's family, grew up 
with, his name was TJ, at the center of their family and understand the inclusion piece that you're talking about. Yes, yes. So it was so exciting for us to meet you and to see you guys' commitment and the love that you've got. I mean, just watching you, Chris, that way that you just kept going and then the way you would get energized is with hugs. I mean, it was so familiar to us as we were growing up. So just, ah, it just was amazing to watch all that you're accomplishing, you know, and to see your sister in particular, I could connect with your sister. You know, Trisha, 14 months ago, I didn't even know anyone with Down syndrome. No kidding. Wow. I never, I've never met someone with Down syndrome. I never knew someone that had a brother with Down syndrome that even referred to them. And it's my belief system that is for one of two reasons. Number one, because I'm a loud big guy. And maybe when I kind of walk through a room, some parents are like, nope, not today. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the other reason that I really hope your listeners can get this if they know someone with Down syndrome is because I am successful and I look very busy. And so like with the Nickages, At one point they said, you know, we don't want to bother you with Chris. We don't want to give you too much, right? Because Chris is a lot, right? He's going to call you every night. Chris and I speak literally seven days a week at night before he goes to bed. We talk every night. He talks to my wife. He talks to me. He talks to his friends. But I pick up his phone. I spend time with him outside of training. He's a member of my family. I'm a member of his family. Here's what I'd like your audience to hear. Don't assume that your person with special needs isn't exactly what a typical person like myself needs in my life. The holes that I have in my heart due to some childhood trauma that I received due to some issues I received growing up were exactly filled by a person with Down syndrome. That's the only antidote for my ailment was a young man or woman with Down syndrome who knows no judgment, who will love you in the rain or in the sun, will hug you when they're happy, will hug you when they're sad, and they will teach you to slow down and remember that the moment matters because that's the only thing that matters to them. And I'm hoping that more people with Down syndrome will offer their gift to the world instead of worrying about their gift being a burden to the world. My world is forever changed. And the only thing I would change about this whole deal is I wish I would have met Chris when I was 17 because my life would be different. I would have viewed life different. I would have felt love, unconditional love at 17 instead of 45. But again, God's plan was different and needed it to happen just the way it did. No, that's so beautiful, Dan. And like you said, how much richer so many people's lives are when we are all inclusive and we all see each other as individuals. And Chris, you are such an inspiration. Tell us about the 1% Challenge and how it started and what that means to you guys. And just so you know, we started after we started reading about you. So we're due on what, our day 10 of 1% Challenge? Yeah, we're doing our 1%. So Chris, when you say the 1%, how many push-ups did you do? Long. And how many sit-ups did you do? Long. And how many squats did you do? Long. And how many push-ups did you do this week? 200. How many did you do before we went to Ironman, Florida? 200? Yeah, 200. And how many sit-ups did you do? 200. And how many squats did you do? 200. And how many push-ups did you do last week with Marquise? 300. 300 what? 12. 312? (laughs) And how many squats did you do? 312. How many sit-ups did you do? We all did 12. And before we go to Ironman Hawaii, how many push-ups are you going to do? 400. 
Wait, you're doing another Iron Man? Oh yeah, we're doing tons of Iron Man. <laughs> oh, that's so, Chris, so... How many push-ups are you gonna do before we go to Iron Man Hawaii? 500. 500 is correct. And how many sit-ups are you gonna do? 500. And how many squats are you gonna do? 500. How did you do that? <laughs> and what is your commitment in 1%? Work hard. Work hard, what else? Eat more chipotle. Eat more chipotle, what else? <laughs> Smile. Everything with a smile because nobody likes a grouchy athlete. And what's the last one? No excuses. Why not? We don't tolerate no excuses, we man. We tolerate excuses, right? And so if we're doing 1%, Chris, it's about getting a little bit better when? Getting a little bit better every day, right? Yeah. Does it have to be painful? Yeah. No. <laughs> it hurts. Thank you, Chris. It hurts. But then you get stronger. Hey, so Chris, what's your favorite meal? Waffle House. Waffle House. Chipotle. Chipotle, mm. yeah. And P.F. Chang's. Oh, P.F. Chang's too? <laughs> so do you eat much sugar? Ice I bet Dan doesn't want you to eat sugar. Yeah. Ice cream, chocolate cake. Yum. Mm. Excellent. <laughs> so one of the things here is that, and this is important that a lot of people understand, like Chris doesn't navigate the world like you and I do. He enjoys food for the social aspects of it too, right? So what's it going to be like if we have to tell Chris that he has to sit on a bicycle for eight hours? And when you're on the bicycle for eight hours, what starts to hurt you, Chris? The butt. And what else? The pain. You get a lot of pain. And we're going to make him go through all this pain. And then we're going to take away his favorite food too? Like, why would we do that? Why don't we let him exercise to a point that he can have whatever he wants to eat? You get P.F. Chang's every day. Every Saturday night. Every Saturday, every Saturday night. night. You do what? Corona. With a Corona, right. But what do you have to do to get a Corona and P.F. Chang's? Post their best. That's right. He has to give us his personal best. And if he makes a bunch of excuses or doesn't give his personal best, he doesn't get Chang's, right, buddy? Because we don't tolerate excuses. And his dad and I will not let him have it. But here's the good news about Chris. Is he's very coachable. When he's not feeling that great, He'll push through the pain anyway because he wants his dreams and he wants to accomplish his goals. And that goal on Saturday is for his parents to leave him alone at home <laughs> so he can eat Jeff Chang's, right, buddy? Yeah. So did I hear you're writing a book? I am. Cool. Tell us about that. So here is an example of Chinese bamboo tree. So this is in the book, the story of the Chinese bamboo tree. Tell him about it. This is a nine bar graph that says an average person who looks like a bamboo tree plays fear games in Netflix. And then on the other side of that syndrome, number one is to be active. Number two, to live independently. Number three, to pursue his dream. And then number four, to not become isolated and not be sedentary and just be part of the crazy group. And here is the reason why I'm saying crazy group, because Uncle Dan is crazy. Every trainer is crazy. One time, Dan came up in a post and he was freaking running 26 miles from one place to that place 
And then I call him and look, Dad, what do you so bad? You're pushing yourself hard. And then Dad's like, stop it. I know what you're doing, stop it. Not only you're thinking of my crazy 26 miles, I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna track you down, mad dog. Mad dog. <laughs> yeah, mad dog. Don't you ever call me mad dog. I'm gonna... hey, by the way, yeah, by the way, Dan, don't call him mad dog. <laughs> I have never called him a mad dog. <laughs> when do you think your book's gonna come out? October 5th. October 5th. If we could ask your audience to pre-order the book. One of the ways that Chris can become a New York Times bestseller is if we sell X amount of copies before it goes out. So you can go on Amazon now and order the book as a way of pre-ordering. Chris, so for fun, what do you do? Like on the days that you sleep in, do you get up and just do you like to hang out? Or like, what do you do on your days that you get to relax? I sleep in. I play fear game. Play a video game. Yeah, fear game with a cup of coffee called Dan. And they call Dan. <laughs> you guys are so great together, Chris. And Dora and I can't believe that we now know you. And I Dan, know. that we get to know you guys and, and just oh, how excited we are to, to hear your story and to see how you guys are a team. And when is your next Iron Man? I'm doing a half Ironman in Hill City. And then I'm doing another half Ironman in June. And then another half Ironman in July. So two half Ironmans in July in Hawaii. Four Ironman, the World Championship. The World Championship. And then I'll be doing the New York City Marathon. Wow. The and New York City I'll Marathon. I'll be going to the USA Games. And then I'll be going to War Games in Germany. Oh, my gosh. You have such a full calendar coming up. Thank you both so much for joining us today. And we want everyone to read 1% Better, Reaching My Full Potential and How You Can Too. I've just pre-ordered it myself. <laughs> Doro already <Wow>. did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It was our pleasure. Have a great day, and God bless you. It was our honor to be here. On behalf of the Nickage family, Chris Nickage, we know we, Chris has a lot of work left to do. Our goal is to continue to raise the bar for people with intellectual disabilities like Chris and to inspire people that have intellectual disabilities and those that don't to get 1% better every day. So thank you so much and have a great day, guys. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. To learn more on how to live a co-mindfulness life, visit comindfulnessproject.com.